Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Friday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. Up to this point, we've been following the story of Jacob and his two wives, Leah and Rachel, and their maidservants, Bilhah and Zilpah, who are also secondary wives to Jacob. At this point in our story, Jacob has 11 sons, Benjamin is yet to be born, and one daughter, Dina. We've focused on the boys, but now I'd like to turn our attention to the story of Dina. This story is often called the Rape of Dina, Jacob's daughter, but the traditional title is misleading. The story is not about forcible rape. It's about a patriarchal family in the biblical Near East living as foreigners in a land not their own, and about a young woman's position in that family. It would be a fundamental misreading to impose our own 21st century Western perspective on this story. Let me begin. Chapter 34 of Genesis. Now, Dina, the daughter Leah had born to Jacob, went out to visit the women of the land. When Shechem, son of Hamor the Hivite, the ruler of that area, saw her, he took her and violated her. Now we need to pause there for a moment. That's only two verses into chapter 34. If we look at a more literal translation of the Hebrew text, we read, Out went Dina, the daughter of Leah, whom she bore to Jacob, to see the girls of the land. Shechem, the son of Hamor the Hivite, prince of the land, saw her. He took her and lay with her and degraded her. Now this story is filled with ambiguity and narrative gaps. First, Dina is the daughter of Leah whom she bore to Jacob. She's the daughter of a full-status wife, not the daughter of a slave woman or a concubine or a handmaiden. As a legitimate daughter of Jacob and full sister to her brothers, her position in the family is honorable and secure. The opening words of the story, out went Dina to see the girls of the land, suggest that Dina stepped beyond the boundaries drawn by her time and culture. Young women in this time and this place, young women did not go out except to perform family chores like drawing water or shepherding flocks. And a young woman certainly did not go out while living in a land not their own. But out went Dina to see the girls of the land. Dina is not running away, nor is she looking for a sexual adventure. Translating ra'ah as to visit, as the NIV translation has it, as if she were having tea with her friends, is misleading. Dina is simply curious about the girls of the land, the land of the Hivites, which, as we know from Scripture, is disreputable. Rachel loathed 
Esau's wives. Judith, the daughter of Berai the Hittite, and Bethsemeth, the daughter of Elon the Hivite, for both were descendants of the cursed line of Ham and his son Canaan. In a patriarchal culture, a daughter going out, leaving the protection and control of her family, not only leaves the daughter vulnerable as a potential victim, but it also leaves her family vulnerable. For if she does something dishonorable, or something dishonorable is done to her, it's a sign that her father cannot control or protect his own daughter. And that brings profound dishonor on the entire family. The culture of the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, is not a culture of right and wrong. It's a culture of honor and shame. And Dina is shaming her family. Even today, in the more conservative regions of the Middle East, daughters are strictly forbidden to go out except for specific occasions and only when accompanied by a male relative, a husband, or a brother. Then in Scripture, and now in some parts of the Middle East, a woman who does go out alone is viewed as a gadabout, a streetwalker, a prostitute, a common whore. But Dina does go out alone to see the girls of the land. And what happens is a patriarchal father's worst nightmare. She meets a boy. We're told that Shechem, the son of Hamor the Hivite, prince of the land, saw her. He took her and lay with her and degraded her. Notice, we're not told clearly that Shechem raped Dina. We're told that he degraded her, a serious cultural blunder that disgraced both her and her family. This story piles up ambiguity upon ambiguity. Once again, we encounter ambiguity and narrative gaps. Indeed, we're told that Shechem was in love with Dina and that he wanted to marry her. So we're missing a lot in the story here. How did Shechem approach Dina? Did he speak to her? Did she speak to him? Did he take her by force? Or did he court her like a Prince Charming? And what about Dina? Did she willingly consent to Shechem's advances? Or did she say no and struggled to defend herself? Was she love-struck and happy? Or was she seduced? Was she caught up in the moment? Or was she assaulted and raped? We simply don't know. I continue now with chapter 34, verse 3. Shechem's heart was drawn to Dina, daughter of Jacob, and he loved the girl and spoke tenderly to her. And Shechem said to his father Hamor, Get me this girl as my wife. And when Jacob heard that his daughter Dina had been defiled, his sons were in the fields with his livestock, so he kept quiet about it until they came home. 
Then Shechem's father, Hamor, went out to talk with Jacob. We've got a serious problem going on here. The, the, the children, the son and the daughter, have overstepped their bounds a great deal. So Shechem's father arranged to talk with Dina's father, Jacob. Now, Jacob's sons, 11 sons, recall, and Dina is the youngest after the 11th son. They were furious. When they came back in from the fields, they heard what happened. They were filled with grief and fury because Shechem had done a disgraceful thing by lying with Jacob's daughter, a thing that should not be done. But Hamor said to them, My son Shechem has his heart set on your daughter. Please give her to him as his wife. Intermarry with us, give us your daughters, and take our daughters for yourselves. You can settle among us. The land is open to you. Live in it, trade in it, acquire property in it. Well, that's a very generous offer. A difficult way to solve a difficult problem. Shechem said to Dina's father and brothers, let me find favor in your eyes and I will give you an, I'll give you whatever you ask. Look, make the price for the bride and the gift I'm to bring as great as you like. I'll pay whatever you ask. Only give me the girl as my wife. Clearly, he loves her. The father is trying to make things right. He's trying to make things right. But because their sister Dina had been defiled, Jacob's sons replied deceitfully, Oh, there we go, Jacob the deceiver. Deceived by the master deceiver, Uncle Laban, and now the boys are deceiving. Jacob's sons replied deceitfully as they spoke to Shechem and his father Hamor. They said to him, I, I, I'm sorry, we can't do such a thing. We cannot give our sister to a man who is not circumcised. Remember, God gave circumcision to Abraham as a sign of the covenant. We cannot allow our sister to be with an uncircumcised man. That would disgrace us. We will give our consent to you on one condition only, that you become like us by circumcising all your males. Then we'll give you our daughters and take your daughters for ourselves. We'll settle among you, become one people with you. But if you will not agree to be circumcised, the deal's off. We'll take our sister and go. Notice Dina is with Shechem. We'll take our sister and go. Apparently she wanted to be with Shechem. Well, the family discussed it and their proposal seemed good to Hamor and his son Shechem. The young man, who was the most honored of all his father's household, lost no time in doing what they said. He was delighted with Jacob's daughter, Dina. So Hamor and his son Shechem went to the gate of their city to speak to their fellow townsmen. These men are friendly toward us. They said, let them live in our land and trade in it. The land has plenty of room for them. We can marry their daughters. They can marry ours. But only if the only, but the men will consent to live with us as one people only on one condition. 
that all our males, all of you, must be circumcised as they themselves are. Can you imagine the reaction from the men of the town? You, you want to cut off what? <laughs> oh, no, dear, no, not going to happen. I don't, I don't want to marry any of their people. I, I, I want to stay whole here. <laughs> but won't their livestock, their property, and all their animals become ours? This would be a good merger between people. He is a very wealthy man. So let us give our consent to them, and they'll settle among us. Well, after a great deal of debate, I imagine, they consented. All the men who went out of the city gate agreed with Hamor and his son Shechem, and every male in the city was circumcised that day. Three days later, while all of them were still in pain, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dina's brothers, took their swords and attacked the unsuspecting city, killing every male. Every male in the city was flat on his back, couldn't even stand up. They put Hamor and his son Shechem to the sword and took Dina from Shechem's house and left. See, she was with him. I wonder what she had to say about this. The sons of Jacob came upon the dead bodies, looted the city where their sister had been defiled. They seized their flocks and herds and donkeys and everything else of theirs in the city and out in the fields. They carried off all their wealth, all their women and children, taking plunder, everything from their houses. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, What have you done? You have bought trouble on me by making me a stench to the Canaanites and Perizzites, the people living in this land. Look, we're few in number. And if they join forces against me and attack me and my household, we will be destroyed. But Simeon and Levi said, what? Should he have treated our sister like a common whore? End of the story of Dina. We never hear from her again. This is a really interesting story. And the narrative gaps, the ambiguity, is just wonderful. There's an excellent book by Tikva Freemar Kensky titled Reading the Women of the Bible, A New Interpretation of Their Stories. It was published in New York in 2002. It is truly an excellent study on the women of the Hebrew Scriptures. I've read it many times. I've taught it in class and uh, well worth reading. Tikva Freemar Kensky's Reading the Women of the Bible, A New Interpretation of Their Stories. Well, that brings us to the end of today's story, and I'll be back with you on Monday with another episode of Scripture Uncovered. Bye-bye now. Blessings to you. See you then.